there. I'm Christine Zernheld. AKA Shep. And it is officially marketing a talk. I am so excited to be joined by three PPC experts today on our last roundtable marketing a talk. It was a little negative and we focused on some of the changes happening in Google ads. We're not going to talk about Google ads today, at least not a lot. We are going to focus on the positive and we're going to talk about another platform that you can shift your efforts to, particularly your B2B efforts. We are going to talk about LinkedIn ads, which you guys probably already knew from the episode title of this podcast. So just like our famous Friday news show, you'll be able to catch this episode on YouTube if you want to see the smiling faces of our esteemed guests. And those guests are Cypress North's own digital marketing and demand generation expert and marketing clock co-host, Mark Saltarelli. Mark, thank you for being here. (laughs) Thank you, Shop. Happy to to be here. Ready to have a good time. (laughs) And another familiar face in PPC Pro, Andrea Cruz from the fabulous co-marketing team. Hi, Andrea. Hi, everyone. Thanks for being here. And last but not least, we have founder of B2Linked, LinkedIn ads expert and host of the LinkedIn ad show podcast, AJ Wilcox. Hi, AJ. So excited to be here. Thanks so much for having me. We're so excited to have you on the show. So I will just be here as moderator today. Um, I guess they couldn't get Chris Wallace or Susan Page on the blower. So I will be doing (laughs) the job. I am so excited to learn from our experts today because I'm not as well-versed in the LinkedIn ads platform, so I'm super excited. And it's always a treat to have Mark on, but it's a particular treat to have AJ and Andrea on today because you guys are fresh off your awesome inbound sessions. Everyone needs to check those out. So Andrea's was called My Cheat Sheet, the secret to 10% or higher conversion rates with LinkedIn ads, and AJ's was called Advanced LinkedIn Ads. So if you went to inbound or you have a good friend like I do, Mark, who shared his login with me, you can check those out on demand. I really recommend it. They're awesome. So let's jump right into our discussion topic today, LinkedIn ads. We're really excited. So I'm calling part one, debunking LinkedIn myths. (laughs) I want to talk about some of the common understandings about the platform that may prevent some marketers from advertising on LinkedIn. So I have three, what I'm calling, or actually I have four, what I'm calling LinkedIn ads conspiracy theories um, that you guys can choose to accept or not accept. So first of all, the biggest one that everyone talks about, we hear all the time that LinkedIn ads is expensive compared to other platforms and CPCs tend to be really high. So starting with AJ, is this something that you agree with the notion that LinkedIn ads is just too expensive for some companies out there? Absolutely, I do. <laughs> so we may not be debunking too many myths yeah. here, but I'll, I'll sure like shine a light here. Uh, the average cost per click from LinkedIn is somewhere between about eight to eleven dollars per click. Whereas if you're advertising on Facebook, you might be paying one to three dollars per click in B two B. And so you look at LinkedIn and go, wow, it is significantly more expensive for that traffic. And if you're comparing the two channels at your cost per lead, cost per conversion, you're going to walk away going, LinkedIn is you know, three to five times more expensive than Facebook. Is it worth it? And so if you're the kind of marketer who stops there and you say, uh, okay, yep, cost per lead, way too high, we're going to get out, then you'll miss the real value of LinkedIn. The real value of LinkedIn is in the targeting. It's in the lead quality. And so in order to ingest this, 
you have to get further down into your sales cycle, into your sales stages, and uh, measure things like your, your cost per sales qualified lead, sales accepted lead, cost per proposal, and closed deal. And what you find is, oh, wow, we used to have to disqualify 80% of our Facebook traffic. And the ones who we didn't disqualify were moms and pops and small potatoes. Uh, on LinkedIn, wow, every single one of them is a, is a great fit. They're the right size of company. So certainly it is an expensive channel and you've got to have a high enough lifetime value on the back end to make the economics work. But assuming you have that, uh, LinkedIn is the exact right channel to get the best quality people coming through and close those massive deals. Looking at the big picture might help justify the cost. <laughs> what about you, Andrea? Do you have any thoughts on the costs? Is it's this a myth true. or is it true? <laughs> it's true. It's expensive. But besides getting cheap clicks on, on Facebook or Quora or something like that, Google Ads is not that cheap anymore. I know we said we were not going to talk about Google too much, but <laughs> PPCs on Google for a V2V are out of this world at this point. Um, they are not getting cheaper because volume is not growing. So when you see a LinkedIn with 8 to 11, to even if you go higher to 13, it still can be cheaper than on Google. And you don't have the ability to target people based on where they work, what their seniority is, or what their skill set is. So when you compare those two side by side, then the real question is about intent. Uh, and that's a whole point for another, for later in the discussion. Okay, for so it sure. sounds like expensive, but worth the cost in a lot of cases is what you're saying. What about you, Mark? Do you think it's a conspiracy or do you think it's true? <laughs> yeah, I definitely think it's a conspiracy. I agree with everything that AJ and Andrea say, but I think like when you say LinkedIn ads is too expensive, like AJ said, you're looking at the wrong cost. If you're looking only at CPMs and CPCs, like AJ said, of course, it seems too expensive. You are paying double the CPM as Facebook. You are paying four times the cost per click. But when you're looking at what you're actually getting, you're getting what you pay for. The impressions you're getting are higher quality. The targeting options you have are much more niche and relevant to your business. And you actually get insights into who is seeing and interacting with your ads, something we've lost on certain ad networks recently. Won't mention the <laughs> ones we're not talking about them. And then <laughs> the big thing, which we've already touched on, is CPMs and CPCs might be higher. But in my personal experience, the cost per actual lead or conversion that you're seeing is the same or lower than other networks because the conversion rate is often much higher and those conversions are much higher quality. So it depends on what you're considering to be more expensive, but I definitely think it's a myth. It's something that shouldn't scare you away for the platform, just something that you should consider. That's great advice. Okay, so another myth topic entirely. Andrea, I want to talk to you about LinkedIn ads lead gen form. So they have this autofill feature that makes them super convenient for end users, but there's a theory out there that it almost makes it too easy and it can affect the quality of those leads. What do you think about this idea? It's true. <laughs> it makes it too easy. I have to say, as a caveat, I love lead gen forms. I think they're fantastic. I found them super useful. 
but it's true, it's so easy. All your information is pre-populated within the LinkedIn interface. You don't have to do anything besides just hit submit and done. You are all set. So what I've seen happening most of the time when people start complaining about, well, none of them converts, they forgot they didn't. It's because, yeah, you are removing all the friction that going to a landing page has. Um, a lot of people even have gone to the process of downloading the leads, maybe at the end of the week. And then is next week is somebody else will start reaching out to them or sending another piece of content at that point. It's too late. Um, so a best practice or a way I try to avoid that is to either creating friction, adding custom questions or checkbox or things that make people stop and say, okay, I'm filling a form. <laughs> Or the other option is sending uh, connect LinkedIn to your CRM. So you get something immediately after or within 24 hours of making that first submission. So you stay on top of the user's um, mind. Awesome. AJ, do you have any thoughts on the lead gen forms? Do you think they're too easy? Yeah, I just want to parrot exactly what Andrea said, uh, if I could say it as beautifully. <laughs> the, the big challenge that we see is um, you're probably going to see like 10 to 50 percent higher conversion rates when you turn on lead gen forms and that's really attractive for our, a lot of our clients so you know we've got 60 percent of our clients who are using lead gen forms exclusively just because it is so sexy to have that the much lower cost per lead but um it, it really has to make economic sense if you know that you're going to have your lead quality drop by 20 percent you got 40% more leads, then yeah, it's still gonna make a, a net positive. Um, but that is something you've gotta be measuring. So my rule of thumb is if you are pushing a really high value prospect that needs to have a strong impression of your company, send it to a landing page, they're gonna have a better experience. Uh, but if your goal is just to get the lowest cost per you know, qualified whoever your prospect is into your funnel for nurture, then you just can't go wrong with lead gen forms. Great advice. Mark, I'll give you a second to chime mm -hmm. in on lead gen nope. forms too. I agree with completely everything um, they've said there. And I think really the big thing is that part of it's like, it is really easy, but these are also high quality people that you're reaching. So it's kind of, you have to start with the lead gen form, see how it goes, and then iterate after there based on what you're seeing. If you are getting that 50% of people forgot that they submitted it, that you add the next step and you just have to keep increasing friction until you get that right balance of efficiency and quality. So another rumor that I wanted to address is the idea that you can't run effective retargeting on LinkedIn ads. So as we know, they regrettably do not have a look back window for web audiences and there are no enrollment period settings. Mark, have you found that remarketing isn't an effective strategy on the platform or have you found any workarounds for that? Yeah, I would say this myth is half true. You are totally right. The web retargeting options are fairly limited compared to what you get on at other ad networks. That being said, it still does work. And the other big thing is that web remarketing is not the only remarketing option that you have on LinkedIn. 
LinkedIn recently released engagement retargeting. So you have um, features where you can remarket based on lead gen form opens, lead gen form submissions, percentage of video views, and those you actually can control over day periods. So you can do a 30, a 90, or 180 day look back period for building those audiences. And then lastly, um, one of my favorite things I talk about all the time is that I love CRM retargeting. I think it's a great way to make sure that you're getting the most value out of contacts that you have in your CRM. So they're not just dying in your CRM, you're re-engaging them with the tools that you have. And LinkedIn is really powerful for CRM remarketing. You can either upload your CRM list manually, or if you have tools like HubSpot, Salesforce Advertising Studio, Marketo, you can do a direct integration and those will update in real time based on the rules you set for those audiences. And I feel like CRM retargeting works best on LinkedIn. And it is a huge value proposition there for remarketing. So maybe if you're trying it for the first time, CRM retargeting could be the way to go if you have that option. Andrea, have you tried any of these retargeting options on LinkedIn, found any success? Well, I actually want to share a personal note. I was really opposed web remarketing on LinkedIn. And I have actually found success sometimes. Sometimes, not always, uh, but when it hits home, it really does. Um, Audiences tend to be very small, but the cost per lead tends to do a nice job there. Um, I have campaigns running for a while and I won't complain when I get a high quality lead that fulfills all my marketing qualified criteria and it costs me less than a hundred bucks. I will totally take it. I don't care if I get one lead a week, it doesn't matter. Um, so I found some success with it, but it's not easy to make it work in my experience. AJ, have you found it easy to make it work? <laughs> I, I have not. So <laughs> I, I think both Mark and Andrea were extremely kind to LinkedIn's web remarketing. Uh, so I, I'm going to kind of slash Yeah, it tell us on. how you feel. <laughs> so here are the nails in the coffin to me for, for LinkedIn's web remarketing. Um, you have First of all, the clicks aren't all that cheap. You know, if you're paying eight to eleven dollars for that initial click, you're probably still going to pay four to six for the re- the retargeting click. So it's not like you're getting a massive discount. Um, LinkedIn's also not the network that people go and just spend all this time on. And so if if you're hoping to use retargeting to stay top of mind and be just ever present in front of your people, you're going to be ever present the three or four times that they log in per month. Uh, it, and it's it's all cookie based, which you know, as of today, we know that, you know, half of your, your cookies uh, on any iOS device, Safari, Mozilla, they're all just getting thrown away immediately. So half of your audience goes away. And if you're paying eight to $11 to get someone into your audience and half of them leave, that's a, a really expensive placement in a, into a, a retargeting audience. Yeah. Um, so, and especially with the iOS 14 update, we're going to kiss goodbye to a bunch of the mobile users too. So uh, when it really comes down to it, like absolutely do what Andrea says and, and roll out the retargeting. I mean, don't expect it to be earth moving. Go ahead and run it. Uh, but the one recommendation I've got is don't trust LinkedIn to do all of your retargeting. Uh, try to get your traffic from LinkedIn to your website where you're getting exactly the right people there. And then use your Google and Facebook retargeting to stay in front of them wherever they are on the web for a lot cheaper. It's better technology. Um, 
and they're going to see it a lot more. So uh, don't ignore LinkedIn entirely, but certainly make sure that Google and Facebook are involved. So using it more to like fill in that top of funnel traffic and then retargeting on other platforms. Yeah, exactly. Great advice. And that's funny that you say that people aren't on it all the time. We talk on our podcast um, a lot about how a lot of us just aren't LinkedIn people. Mark's like the only one. And it (laughs) seems like you're either on there like your whole life or you go in a couple times a month. And that's me. (laughs) I actually have it open right now. (laughs) (laughs) So on brand. And the final myth that I want to address here is the idea that we talk about LinkedIn all the time and how great it can be for some of our B2B clients. And sometimes it gets ignored for our B2C clients. So AJ, I was wondering if you had any experience with B2C uh, success stories on the LinkedIn ads platform. Yeah, we find that there are so many many B2C companies out there who want to explore LinkedIn because either all their eggs are in one basket in Google or Facebook, they're just looking to diversify. And so we've, we've started to explore a little bit. We actually have found a few narrow niches, uh, some more broad than others, where LinkedIn actually can work in B2C. The biggest one is in white collar recruiting. So when you're looking for candidates for your jobs, uh, obviously it's a B2C type of activity, but uh, it relies on their B2B experience. Um, you know, they're, they're business experience. So we found that to work extremely well. LinkedIn started out as a job search portal and you know it, it still has all the bones there. We've also found it to work especially well for higher education, like MBA programs who are recruiting new students. You can use LinkedIn's awesome targeting to be like, you have to have graduated um, you know, with your uh, with your bachelor's, but you don't yet have a more advanced degree. Maybe you studied something that wasn't traditionally high earning, like uh, English or journalism or arts. Um, and you can say like, hey, come bring your skills into the, the business world and, uh, and build a career. Um, uh, we've even found like um, travel and, um, and financial services to work pretty well, which are technically still B2C. So I would say as a general rule, B2B is a lot safer because it's got these big deal sizes that you can make up for expensive clicks to get people in. But uh, certainly B2C can have a place as long as it's just a good, perfect fit. Yeah, thanks. So just kind of thinking about those B2C applications, but are, you know, where professional targeting or experience could be helpful for your targeting options. Great thoughts. So moving on to part two of our podcast here, I want to talk about some of your go-to LinkedIn ad strategies. We have these experts here. We might as well get some of your best advice. So LinkedIn ads has so many powerful targeting options that are really different from what can be found on any other platform. And if we know anything at all, we know that folks transitioning spends away from another unnamed platform, Google ads, (laughs) will love in-depth targeting. So LinkedIn has also recently revamped their remarketing opportunities, as we mentioned before, and they changed their bidding. So I wanted to get all of your take um, on some proven strategies that have driven results. So starting with you, Andrea, you touched on this a bit in your inbound session, which everyone needs to listen to. Don't give everything away. Um, But I wanted to ask specifically about ads themselves. What are some of your go-to strategies with the different ad type and creative options available on the platform? Yeah, I'm going to say that for most of my clients, I either spend all my time on sponsored content or lead gen forms. 
Um, the reason being is they show up both on desktop and mobile. Um, they are fantastic to grabbing somebody's attention because it takes basically all your screen. And then really, if you're using LinkedIn, that we mentioned it's a little bit on the expensier, more expensive side, it's don't send people to an ungated page and don't send them to a demo because we don't know what their intent at that time is. So let's send them to a middle of the funnel piece of content, something that actually provides value. They are experts in their field because they already work on it and you are targeting because of that. So um, that's where I found the most success with LinkedIn ads, um, focusing on those two ad types. And then the other ones, you can test them depending on your applications. Um, but if you are want to get started, that's where I would start. Fantastic. AJ, what are some of your favorite ad types on LinkedIn? <laughs> You know, I just want to say, I wish I could go back in time like 10 years and watch Andrea's presentation when I was just getting to learn LinkedIn ads, because uh, th that is exactly the right advice. Uh, starting with sponsored content, it's a great middle of the road kind of ad format. Um, specifically, I would start with single image sponsored content, just because it's so low risk. You can bid by cost per click, so it takes away the, the risk. Um, you don't have to involve video production or complicate your ads by trying to use carousel. And you can attach a lead gen form to that same ad format. So I'm a big fan. Um, the next ad format that I would consider adding on would be text ads. And they're on desktop only. They're over in the right rail. They hardly ever get clicked on. But when they do, it's the cheapest ad format out there. You'll pay like 3 to $5 per click. So, uh, and because they show so many impressions, they end up supporting your sponsored content very well. By the time people have seen a whole bunch of those text ads and then they see your sponsored content, they're like, oh, I've heard of her before. She's legit. Yeah, I'm going to click. Awesome. And Mark, yeah. I wanted to ask you specifically about bidding. We've mentioned how expensive CPCs can be on LinkedIn. Do you have any strategies or working mm -hmm. or, or workarounds for lowering those bid costs? Mm -hmm. I do. And I'm really happy we have AJ here today because in my career so far, he's the only person besides myself who has actually seen point this out. And <laughs> it's really one of the biggest misunderstandings with bidding. First of all, this one's newer, but that automated bidding will actually be much higher than what you can get from annual CPC when you're starting a new campaign. Second of all, and this is the big one, ignore LinkedIn's recommended CPCs. Two really big things here. First of all, what they're telling you to bid is much higher than what you actually need to pay to win in that auction. It, they'll tell you like most people are bidding between seven and $14, you should bid 10. But sometimes you can be successful with a bid as low as $2. And you can find out what that bid is. You can keep going down and down and they'll tell you as low as you're allowed to go down. And really my advice here is to start low, as low as you can possibly go. And then um, after a few days, look at how many impressions you're getting and really increase that bid based on auction performance and getting available impressions rather than um, reaching a budget. Like you have to focus on driving volume and efficiency, not budget. And that's like my second point is do not, do not raise your CPC because LinkedIn's telling you, you need to raise your CPC in order to hit your daily budget. That is self-fulfilling. 
if you raise your CPC, <laughs> you are going to spend more. Like, of course, LinkedIn is going to say that. It's it's like stupid. Like, why would you say that? Of course, I'm going to spend more. So really, if you want to spend more, I recommend before you just raise your bid, focus on improving your CTR. Spend more by driving more clicks, not just by raising your CPC, because that isn't going to improve your performance. It'll improve your spend. So unless raising the CPC will make you more competitive in auction and win you more impressions, then you shouldn't be thinking about raising that CPC. Um, really, it's something you need to start low and test until you find the right CPC rather than relying solely on what LinkedIn is telling yeah. you. So it sounds like on my first day working in Google Ads, I learned to never use broad match. So maybe the number one rule for LinkedIn would be never listen to their bid recommendations. Is that fair? What do you think, Andrea? <laughs> 100%. <laughs> um, I also remember, I think this is the first time I heard um, AJ in person giving a, giving a presentation. He was like, if it is 10 a.m. in the morning and you already maximize your budget, you are probably paying too much. Go down. What, what's the fear of starting very low? And well, you didn't spend all of it the first day. Okay, bump it up a little bit. As Mark said, is your CTR really van? Because potentially that might be the issue. You are not communicating a proper message to tell people, hey, come here and, and click on me because I have something that is valuable to you. Definitely. And AJ, it sounds like they both kind of stole a little bit from your session there, but any thoughts on lowering bids? Oh, I'm just going to sit here and nod the whole time. That's <laughs> okay. the truth. Uh, the one piece I'll add here is that with uh, when LinkedIn says that they're optimizing towards something for you, realize that they're optimizing towards something very different than what you think they're optimizing towards. Uh, the biggest fear that they have is that someone's going to bring a budget to them and they won't be able to spend it. And someone will walk away and say, well, I guess LinkedIn ads doesn't work. They don't have the audience. So uh, when LinkedIn says that they're optimizing to uh, to spend your budget, they actually are. They're they're trying to just spend your budget at all costs, even if they have to bid crazy high to do it. Uh, whereas most marketers I talk to, I'm sure all of us in the room included, we all want better performance. Like, don't spend my budget if you're going to charge me freaking $120 per click to do it. Like. Let me take the fall on bad creative and I'll go back to the drawing board and bring something better. Don't just spend my money. So uh, be aware, anytime LinkedIn says we're optimizing towards a metric, uh, put your smart marketer hat on and go, okay, what would I want to optimize towards as a, a marketer? And I'll do that instead. Awesome. And I'm going to come right back to you, AJ, for my final strategy question, because I wanted to ask about targeting in LinkedIn ads. There are so many options available, as we've already said. So what strategies have driven the most success for you in the world of targeting? I always break every persona down into two different camps. Um, and, and I have different targeting methods that I use for each. So the first is I want to understand the role, who feels the pain, who needs the problem solved that I can solve. And the second one is what type of organization do they represent? Because if you're selling a product that costs like $1,200 a month and you say, oh, CFOs are our target market, I'll tell you a CFO of a two-person company isn't going to be buying that software. Like they need a higher budget. Um, so for the persona, I want to nail them down by five different characteristics that will try as many of them uh, in parallel to each other as possible. It's job title, it's department and seniority, 
it's skills and groups. And so if we can figure out potentially three or four different combinations of those to target the right role, then we can add on the right kind of company, the company industry, the company size. And if we're doing account-based marketing, we might even have a list of specific company names. And uh, between those two, I mean, that's only like a seventh of all of LinkedIn's targeting, but between those, that makes up the majority of what we do. It's the best targeting on the platform. Cool. I love all the actionable tips we're getting today. Andrea, what are your favorite targeting strategies on LinkedIn? Well, if you ever talk with me about LinkedIn, the first thing I'm going to tell you is please, please, and I'm going to beg you, don't only use job title targeting, please. (laughs) It's so expensive. Um, And LinkedIn doesn't really know all the job titles that are out there. The one I always use is demand gen marketing. If you are targeting them, you cannot find them. And I know a lot of you guys are demand gen marketers, but LinkedIn doesn't have that category. So it's really about being creative. How can you identify or being able to create that persona besides just giving you a job title? One of my favorite ones is using the combination of seniority and skills. Um, a lot of people is scared of it because they think, oh, does that mean I'm only going to target the Microsoft Office people that I always <laughs> tell them that they are doing a great job um, on Microsoft Office, that I am endorsing them? And it's like, no, it also includes what you're writing on your bio. So if somebody um, has a LinkedIn profile up today, they are most likely updating their bio as well. So use the skills to get to those people. Um, The other combination I love is sometimes people really don't know what the skills are, but we know what they are talking about and what are their pain points or what are the associations that are part of. So groups is super important um, to be able to jump into a group with a topic or a asset that it's very targeted to that specific conversation that it's happening within the group and just target them. It's going to be a fantastic return on your investment. Those are great thoughts. Cause I always think about when I see someone with like Ninja and their job title on LinkedIn, <laughs> I'm like, there's no way this is helpful for advertisers. Mm-hmm. Mark, what do you like yeah. for targeting? I just, I'm happy both of you mentioned it. Cause I just want to go off and say, I absolutely love LinkedIn skills targeting. It has changed my life. It allows you (laughs) to reach so many different niches that you cannot reach in other ways. I had so many clients it's been so helpful for. So I had a client, we were trying specifically to reach people who work in call centers, but people who work in call centers have like jobs like customer success manager, or it's like a sales or business development, but not everyone who has those job titles works in call centers. So being able to add like skills, like um, call center operations to those job titles really lets us reach exactly who we're looking for. And it's perfect um, combining skills and groups for different assets that you're trying to reach. Um, I also had a client that integrated really well with Salesforce, and that was one of their biggest value propositions is they could make all of your applications work seamlessly with Salesforce. And I'm like, okay, that's great. Every person who we target for any advertising that we do is either going to have Salesforce listed as a skill or they're going to be in Salesforce group. And and you can also, if you're going in really big software companies, you can go after people who use your competitor software. If they have your competitor software as a skill, target them. And I 
cannot say enough good things about LinkedIn skills targeting and how they can really take your targeting to the next level. Um, the other thing I really love about LinkedIn targeting is that I said this before, they show you, um, they let you see exactly who your ads have shown to. So a lot of you can see like job function, company size, industry, etc. job title, you can see impressions, clicks, lead form submissions. That way you can make sure that your targeting is working properly and get insights over maybe there's certain titles that aren't working well for that audience. They're driving a lot of impressions and clicks, but not leads, and you can get rid of that. And having that information is so valuable for targeting. Awesome. And moving on to our part three here, I know we said we weren't gonna talk about Google, and then I said it again and again, but I do wanna take a second or the next 10 minutes or so to compare LinkedIn to Google Ads because a lot of advertisers are really facing this reality that they need to find other options. So I'm coming right back to you, Mark, for this first question. Do you think LinkedIn can be just as valuable as Google Ads? So hot take, I'm not saying this just because I'm a little bitter right now, but I think that LinkedIn can actually be more valuable than Google in a lot of ways. And I have had a lot of clients where LinkedIn was much more important for them in terms of actually driving sales pipeline than Google was. And I think the first part of that is that with a search campaign, you are only reaching someone who is actively searching for something where in LinkedIn, you are reaching everyone within your set audience who is actively on LinkedIn. If you think people might only be in a buying cycle where they're actively looking for a solution every four years, and you might be able to come in and convince them to switch to you. And that if you have a newer product, like a lot of my companies are startups, they're in niches that previously didn't exist. People don't know that you have a product that solves this problem. And because they don't know that product exists, they're not searching for it. So I find with those clients, LinkedIn is much more valuable for them than searches because they know who their product will work for, what kinds of skills they have, what types of job titles they are, but they don't know what these people are searching. And I think in that way for those specific companies, LinkedIn will work better and allow them to reach more of their target. Um, and I really, I think the biggest value for LinkedIn over Google is their targeting options that we were just talking about. Um, with Google, like they're constantly expanding um, what we're targeting with close variant matching, um, hiding the search terms for us. And like LinkedIn, like you can turn on audio expansion, don't turn it on. But like with LinkedIn, you have the option to turn expansion off. Google's just expanding everything automatically <laughs> without our consent. LinkedIn is like, sure, like we can screw up your targeting, but only if you want to. <laughs> and then they'll show you what they did wrong once you turn audience expansion on. You can see who they actually showed it to versus what you said. With Google, you don't get either of those things. So that is something I really love about LinkedIn. And then also I think that link about LinkedIn that is great is depending on um, your audiences, what your type of company you are, you might be able to run campaigns at different stages of the funnel 
Whereas Google, with how high the CPCs are, oftentimes you can really only afford to be driving bottom of the funnel offers. You don't really get the chance to do um, any sort of content downloads. And there are some cases where you can do content and you can also, in some very rare cases, do a demo request on LinkedIn, but you can't do both of those things on Google a lot of the time. You can only do a demo request. Okay, so Mark has a vote for more valuable. What about you, Andrea? Do you think it can be more valuable than Google Ads? I'm honestly conflicted because I started my career doing paid search and I do know there's a ton of value on actually capturing that intent when people is actively searching for something. And there's no point in discussing that. I do think that LinkedIn is more valuable in driving that qualified B2B person to you. There's no other platform where you have so much control um, of saying, this is the person I want, bring them to me. Um, so I, I do think LinkedIn is more valuable in terms of the targeting options, um, but yeah, I'm conflicted with it. <laughs> it, it's funny you say that because I'm the opposite. I started in paid social and made my way over to search. <laughs> so maybe that's like you feel conflicted about leaving Google, but I'm like, bye, because I never was a, a search person to begin with. Funny. Mark, you went the wrong way. <laughs> uh, I, I just like Andre, I started out in search and kind of found my way into paid social. And I, I think my strategy has shifted a little bit here. Uh, I used to believe that LinkedIn was very top of funnel and Google was very, very bottom of funnel and they work so well together, like capture the top of the funnel with the qualified people, capture them when they're ready to take action and both channels really hold hands and sing kumbaya together. And uh, over time, what we found is because LinkedIn works so well for those high lifetime value, high ticket items, um, if you're selling something that's just quite frankly expensive on Google, you can't qualify who these people are, what size of organization they represent. Uh, does this person have the buying power? And so what you're going to end up getting for your sales team is a bunch of really low quality or unqualified leads. So um, what I find is when you have a really expensive product, LinkedIn is really the only way to make sure that you've got the right traffic there. And so uh, I do feel like LinkedIn, at least for these large B2B kinds of deals is more valuable than Google. Uh, but I, like we mentioned before, I wouldn't discount the fact that Google has incredible retargeting. So if you can use LinkedIn to get the right people in your, in your audience and then rely on, on Google's retargeting and Facebook's remarketing to, uh, to stay in front of them, then they really can hold hands and sing kumbaya. Awesome. Well, time is flying by here. So I'm going to pose my next question to Andrea because we have a lot to get to still. What do you think are some of the easy ways to fail on LinkedIn by using a Google ads mindset? Like, is there anything that you would warn our listeners about who are used to Google ads and switching to LinkedIn? Yeah, so usually if you are doing Google ads, the way you organize your account is based on themes um, or topics. While on LinkedIn, you have to switch your mindset towards audiences. Who is the actual people you are targeting? Um, and it can get very messy very quickly. I've seen a lot of accounts that you go in and you have one campaign targeting XYZ asset one. And then you have another campaign targeting the exact same person, just a different asset, which in, in LinkedIn, it doesn't really make sense. 
Um, so think really about who you are targeting and organize your account that way. I think the other common thing people always bring up is I don't have ad groups. Uh, I would say you do have them in a way, they're just named differently. Use your default channel groupings or your channel groupings as your campaigns, and your campaigns are your ad groups. It's confusing, but if you see it that way, it makes more sense if you want to have some sort of resemblance to Google. But again, focus on audience and how you are targeting them and then go into each campaign to create your actual ads. And AJ, for anyone that is used to Google and considering switching, what types of clients or industries have you seen had the most success on LinkedIn ads that you think would be a good candidate for the platform? Yeah, I have really four qualifiers that I use. The first is you've got to have an audience that you can actually target by who they are professionally. Because otherwise, if you've got, uh, if the targeting isn't worth paying a premium for, don't pay the premium. The next is uh, they've got to have a high lifetime value. So I tell people if, if a new customer is worth $15,000 or more, they're going to be a total no-brainer on LinkedIn. But if they're considerably less, you might find that even if you are being very efficient, you may not be able to show a return on your investment due to the high costs. Uh, third is you've got to have an offer that people actually want to engage in because you know, with search, people are searching for what it is you do. They're coming in with the intent. And so when you say, here's what we do, fill out the lead form, people are willing to do that. But if I'm getting people from around LinkedIn, just surfing around, trying to learn something or connect, if I show them an ad that says, here's what we do, get a demo, no one's ready. I'm just like Andrea said, no one's ready for that, that demo. It's just, it's asking too much too soon. Um, and then the fourth piece is they've got to have a high enough budget. Uh, I've seen way too many marketers go in and say, my boss only gave me $600 to test LinkedIn ads. And you look at it and you go, man, you got 60 clicks out of that. What, is that. what does that mean? What can you learn from these 60 clicks? And it always comes down to, well, not enough. We really do need to have more. So I say, don't even approach the platform unless you've got you know, 5K to spend. That generally will give you enough data that you can actually start to optimize towards the, thing that's, the things that matter. Awesome. Moving on to our final topic already. I can't believe it. I want to talk about what lies ahead and new opportunities for advertisers with LinkedIn. So Andrea, what are some of the new features LinkedIn has launched this year or fairly recently that you see as having the most potential or that you're the most excited about? Yeah, Mark already touched upon this, which is remarketing outside of just web traffic. Um, having the ability to remarket to people who interacted or completed your forms, people who engage with your company page, who even click the custom buttons you have on your company page. It's great. It's the super targeted people. You already know they had some interaction with you. So what is the next information they need to receive to move them down on your funnel? Does anyone have anything else they're excited about besides remarketing? <laughs> I would say this isn't a huge one, but they released the custom metrics to set what columns you see when you're in LinkedIn ads. It hasn't like changed performance, but it's just made the day-to-day -day management a little bit easier for me. And that was exciting. AJ, anything you're excited yeah. about? I, I'm a LinkedIn partner. So I have to be a little careful here because I actually do see the roadmap ahead of time. Um, so I have to be a little careful about what I share, but uh, quite honestly, I mean, Andrea hit on the one that I think is the most important. It's this engagement retargeting where you can target anyone who's taken any sort of action on LinkedIn. And of course, LinkedIn has that data. They have these people identified. 
And so you don't run into that issue of half your audience gone because they didn't keep the cookie. Uh, you know, you're going to have a hundred percent match rate with that. Um, but second of all, um, for the last six years, LinkedIn has had uh, on the back end what they call internally custom segments. Yeah, custom segments. And what they were is like little pieces of data they have about who people are and, and what they do that aren't found in their job title or their skills or something like that. Uh, a really good example is they know who is searching for jobs because if you have filled out a job application on LinkedIn, or you've looked at three or more job uh, postings, LinkedIn goes, ah, you must be searching for a job. Cool. We're, we're going to call you a job seeker. And uh, they've released these, uh, a small number of them called traits. So if you look in your traits, you can see like five or six that they've released, but there's probably 50 or 60 that they haven't released yet. And I really hope they do. I, I hope in the future uh, we get to do all kinds of cool targeting, like um, uh, targeting people who are uh, young and upwardly mobile. So they 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 uh, get promotions very quickly. Um, high you know high growth people, business travelers. All of those are custom segments that you have if you go to your rep and say, "Hey, can you turn this on?" But uh, cool. the rest of us won't get them for a little bit. Very cool. And my next question for you is actually, if you had any ideas or things that you're looking forward to LinkedIn offering for advertisers in 2021 and beyond, which you kind of touched on there, but is there anything else that you could see them releasing or you have an inkling about as a partner, maybe? <laughs> I'm going to say inkling here. Okay. I, um, the big challenge that we've all had with LinkedIn ads is they're expensive to the lead. So you have to track deeper. You've got to look into your CRM and see how, how the leads are actually performing. Um, for a long time, I've thought that LinkedIn had a real opportunity. If they allowed uh, offline uploads like Google does, um, an import from Salesforce or other CRMs, allowing you to report on your cost per SQL, MQL proposal, all that. Uh, and I, uh, I have an inkling that this might be coming. I don't know if it's like it might be two years down the road, but I think eventually we're going to be able to see the real value all um, within campaign manager and not having to drop into Excel and pop over to our CRM to make sense of everything. Awesome. Mark, do you have anything that you think the platform could improve or something that you think that might be coming? Yeah, I would love to see LinkedIn do more with lookalikes. I remember when they released them a few years, I was super excited because I've had a ton of success with demand generation for certain clients using Facebook lookalikes. And then I tried it on LinkedIn. The only option was from a list upload. It, they were okay. Um, they're much lower volume. So like with Facebook for a lookalike, you get a million people. With LinkedIn, you get a few thousand. And that's expected. There's less active users. But I still was kind of shocked at how little people they were actually able to match. And, and then kind of the quality of conversions I was getting from that. And then secondly, I would like there to be kind of more ways to build your lookalike audience. So like Facebook, you can build it. Um, from your website traffic. You can build it from your lead gen forms. You can build it from video views. Anything that you can make an audience out of with first party data, you can build a lookalike out of on Facebook. And I would like to see that on LinkedIn as well. And then obviously I would like to see the web remarketing features improved as we've already touched on. Yep. Andrea, what about you? Do you see any room for improvement in any areas? 
I would love to see on the web demographic report, which is the report that shows you anyone that has interacted either with your ad or if you have the LinkedIn insight tag on your website, it will tell you the job titles that are going to your site, what do they look like. I would like to see skills there. Just give me that tip. It's like, can you please tell me this and I'll create maybe a lookalike because I don't really know who they are. And then I can expand upon them. I think that would be very valuable. That would be nice. And if it comes, I bet you'll be the first one to find it. (laughs) Make sure you tag me in that tweet because I would love to know. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like Andrea is always tweeting like the smallest LinkedIn updates. I'm like, how did you even notice that? You're so good at it. Well, there's one thing I haven't tweeted and they did it like two weeks ago because I thought this is too little. I'm not going to tell people. (laughs) If you are going to change your time frame, they make the box where your calendar is bigger and I hate it. It used to be smaller. It's now bigger. If you haven't noticed, check it out. It's true. <laughs> wow, insider tips here. <laughs> and we have our final question here. So we'll start with you, Mark. For all the LinkedIn advertisers who are reallocating spends from Google that were obviously inspired by all the great advice that they received on today's show, do you have any words of encouragement or parting thoughts for those advertisers? LinkedIn is your oyster. <laughs> <laughs> I would say... If the biggest thing is, I don't think there's that much of a risk in trying LinkedIn. If you know exactly who your audience is and you can mimic that audience on LinkedIn, you will be successful. And I don't want to put this on myself, but I have never had someone completely fail on LinkedIn. I have, every time when I thought LinkedIn made sense for a client, we've been able to get it to work. I cannot say the same for Google. And I, again, if you fit into those aspects that AJ was talking about and you can build your audience on LinkedIn, you can make it work. So try. And I think the big thing for me, and we were just talking a lot about this, is LinkedIn is constantly adding new features, increasing availability. There's new benefits to LinkedIn ads all of the time. And as Shep noticed, Andrea is always the first to notice, so make sure you're following her. Um, So I think it's like as an advertiser, it's a really great platform to be using because you feel like they're constantly investing in what you're doing and they care about you being able to use their platform effectively. And we don't see that from all of the ad networks. So you definitely have a lot of support there. You know what your, where your ads are showing and there's going to be new features that make it better. So long-term, this is a great platform to get to learn now and master it now. So over time, as they continually improve this platform, you're going to be ahead of the curve. You're going to be a LinkedIn ads expert, obviously follow AJ and Andrea and stay up to date with all these awesome tips that they're sharing because LinkedIn's where it's at. AJ, do you have any parting inspiring thoughts for LinkedIn ads newbies? Yeah, just adding on to what Mark said, uh, I like to think of LinkedIn not only for lead generation, but also for market research. If you think about it on Google, the only information that you get when you break out these different ad set or or ad groups, I never remember what what they're called, but uh, you're basically comparing like people who type uh, without the ING versus ING of my keyword, like how are they different? But on LinkedIn, it's totally different. It's like a little focus group in every campaign you run. If you have, uh, let's say 
IT managers in a separate campaign from directors and then VPs and then like CIOs and CTOs, you can find that, hey, if I put the same message out to all of these segments, uh, wow, looks like this message is really resonating with the C-suite. Looks like we have content that, that uh, we should do more of that if we want more of the C-suite versus, oh, the VPs and above don't care about this, but wow, managers are really... Uh, really invested in it. So you can learn more about who your audience is and what they care about. And so even if like what Mark said, even if you do fail on LinkedIn, you still leave with data that informs all of your marketing across all your other channels. You now know who your target audience is better. Fantastic. Andrea, what do you think? Do you have any parting words of encouragement? I think people think LinkedIn is so complicated. And in a way, I always try to tell people, just think about it this way and try to simplify your life a little bit. You're creating an audience. If you're getting the right titles, because you can see it as Mark said, if you're getting the right titles, but nobody's clicking and your CTR is awful, then you need to change your messaging or your offer. If people is clicking a lot and then they are not filling the form, then the offer might be wrong or something in between is not working. Uh, it could be your site, so use a lead gen form. If the lead gen form is not working, what are the fields or the information you are asking of that user? Usually those are very easy steps you can take to determine, hey, is this working for me or not? So in that $5,000 budget suggestion that AJ mentioned to begin LinkedIn with, it's about testing all those stages um, and really go from there. Awesome. So I don't know about our listeners, but I'm feeling inspired and empowered with all these actionable tips for LinkedIn ads advertisers. So thank you guys so much for being here with me today to talk about this. Mark, where can people find you if they want to talk more about LinkedIn ads? I'm at Mark from marketing on Twitter. That's at Mark underscore from underscore MKTG. I know I had to be a little complicated there. If you absolutely love LinkedIn, I'm linkedin.com slash in slash MT And feel free to reach out to me with any questions you have on LinkedIn or more generally in B2B marketing, demand generation, paid in general. Uh, I also lead demand generation and marketing automation here at Cypress North. So if you need um, help with a project, feel free to reach out to me directly or on cypressnorth.com. And if anyone's looking for more insight from Andrea, her inbound session again was called My Cheat Sheet, The Secret to 10% or Higher Conversion Rates with LinkedIn Ads. Andrea, where else can people find you? Sure. You can find me on Twitter. If you have a quick question, I'm always there at Andrea Cruz 92. And then on LinkedIn, you can find me at Andrea Cruz Lopez. You have to use my full name. So apologies for that. <laughs> but any questions you have, I'm always happy to help. Awesome. And AJ's inbound session is also a must-see. It was called Advanced LinkedIn Ads. And you can also listen to his podcast called The LinkedIn Ad Show. I'm sure you can find it wherever you listen to Marketing O'Clock. AJ, where can people find and follow you? Yeah, Twitter, WilcoxAJ uh, is my handle there. On LinkedIn, it's also WilcoxAJ, but I uh, just... Search for AJ Wilcox and you'll see a, a chubby, smiling, redhead guy. So uh, <laughs> I'm pretty, pretty easy to find. 
Awesome. And I am at Shep Zernheld and we are at Marketing O'Clock. If anyone wants to join in on the conversation, it is now officially not Marketing a Talk. If you're looking for digital marketing news and a lot of really bad puns, please be sure to subscribe to our show. We release new shows with Jess Budd and Greg Finn every Friday in addition to these special roundtable episodes that we will be releasing every month or so. So thank you all for listening and we will see you next week.